Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the election that we just completed, the city election. And we'll also probably be talking a little bit about the election, the upcoming election, because we're already into that, talking about 2016. Um, Just more than 12 percent of eligible voters cast a ballot in Monroe County's municipal election, the Bloomington City election. And we'll be talking about that low number and some of the reasons why that percentage may be a little misleading and, uh, and what we can do to try to get more people out to vote. We have two guests with us in the studio. Linda Robbins, the Monroe County Clerk, is here. Thank you, Linda. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Always nice to have you here. And Marjorie here, she is here. Um, Marjorie's, we've always said she's our political science um, our correspondent and our political correspondent. She's a political science professor at Indiana University. Always nice to have you here. Thank you, and especially on Mary Catherine's closing day. I know. <laughs> we'll probably take a few minutes at the end uh, to sort of uh, talk about that big news for today. But you can give us a call today at uh, the usual numbers, um, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. You can also join a live chat um, at Noon Edition, and or you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition, and you can join the live chat as always at uh, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. Hi, Bob. Hey, Mary. Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had quite a run. We'll talk about that later. We're going to talk about politics first. Yes, politics let's and, talk about politics and, and governing. I'll, I want to to talk to Linda first because I know you know Bloomington is always a, a sort of a weird city to figure out about um, voter percentages. Mm-hmm. So twelve percent seems incredibly low. One out of ten registered voters. But why are we maybe a little bit of an outlier? Well, I think I think that uh, we might be looking at a couple areas here. Mm-hmm. One is that Monroe County is heavily Democratic. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially during this election, we had a very one-sided ballot. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that uh, voters are necessarily inspired to come out and vote when they they already know who's going to be the winner. Very, very few races were contested. And even the, the mayoral race... I don't know that that um, some of the Republicans felt like that, that if they came out that their vote would make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that race was between John Hamilton and John Turnbull, and and uh, even though, as I said in an editorial this week, John Turnbull was a a, a good candidate for the yes. Republican Party, and he did a good job, worked hard. Mm-hmm. But John Hamilton, his name recognition, the years in the community, the things he's done. I think he won by, what was it, 77% of the vote to 22, something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, Marjorie, other reasons? Well, I think, uh, and I suspect that <clears throat> Linda would probably agree with this, the low turnout in American elections generally, and of course this wasn't even an off-year election, this was an off-off-year election, which makes the turnout even lower, um, is low relative to other democracies simply in part because of the way we count turnout. Um, if we were in most European democracies right now, we would not be having a list made up of people who came to register to vote. The government would produce a list um, based on a whole series of ways in which people interacted with government. Here, what happens is that we have a list that's self-generated by voters, and it probably includes a whole bunch of folks who are no longer in Bloomington because they registered to vote while they were on campus or while they were here briefly for a job and they left. Now, then comes the problem. Uh, Certainly, we could do something about this, but... Doing something about it is highly politically charged. There have been a number of instances where um, city or county clerks have purged the voting rolls for partisan reasons. Um, And as a result, you have to be really careful about throwing people off the voting rolls, even if, in fact, they don't live here anymore. 
So that means that this voter turnout ratio, the proportion of bodies that turned up at the ballot relative to the proportion of bodies on the rolls, has an inflated number at the bottom, Mm -hmm. and that makes the ratio smaller than it would otherwise be. Mm -hmm. The problem is we don't know how much smaller (laughs) it would otherwise be. Linda, you seem to be shaking your head a little bit. Well, I I know that we have done our, um, we've done a cleanup of the voter rolls, but it hasn't been for any partisan reasons. In mm-hmm. fact, nobody is taking taken off the rolls. They are just simply made inactive. And every election, we see a percentage of individuals who will be made re, that are made active after an inactive state. So we never just purge them and they aren't on the rolls anymore unless we have a verified um, uh, notification that they have changed their um, voter registration to another location. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is we only work with certain states. So if they move to Wyoming, we don't know that they've moved. And Unless so they, they tell you, right? right. And mm-hmm. most of us, when we move, one of the last things we're <laughs> going to think about is, oh, I need to get in touch with Linda right. Robinson mm-hmm. and tell her I've moved to Wyoming. That's exactly right. right. I don't mean that to be a criticism mm-hmm. in any no, way. You can't purge those yeah. roles. It's mm-hmm. just not a possibility. But right. as a result, the voter turnout rate may be greatly underestimated. Well, I think I think you look at the numbers that we have this year. It's like 8,400 people voted, I believe. Is that right? Yes. And, and our the registered voter number, to get 12 percent is about 68,000. 68, 68 we're, we're eligible. That's the two, mu- I'm sorry, two municipalities in Bloomington and Ellettsville. Okay, so, if, but if, if you add those two together, I mean, the Ellettsville is what, 4,000 residents and Bloomington has 80,000 by census. So mm-hmm. 68,000 eligible out of 84,000, that doesn't count anybody under 18 years old. That would mean everybody has registered to vote. That just can't be true. Actually, okay, our rolls right now are about 106,000 for total eligible voters. Total so, eligible voters? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's higher than that at this point. Hmm. Okay. All yeah. right. And that's in Bloomington and? And the county. That's county. Oh, that's countywide. Counties, yes, right. countywide. Okay. But I'm sorry. Yeah, We're that, not apples to apples, are we? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, I wanted to, Linda, congratulate you on a very well-run election. I was at a lot of polls on Tuesday, and everything seemed to move very smoothly. And then, of course, you know, people were able to call races, some of which were you know, because they were not not contested, but still, it seemed like the counting went very well this time. So, congratulations on that. Thank you so much. We have a, a wonderful team at the Election Central office, and you do. And uh, we couldn't do it without them, and we couldn't do it without the poll workers who spend a very long day for a little very little compensation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they do it for civic duty and you can't find a more wonderful group of people yeah that's mm-hmm. true well what i wanted to ask you was once you're registered um how long do you stay registered let's say you vote only in presidential election years you're just not interested on the in-between ones are you if so if you vote let's say you voted for um obama during his first election and then you didn't come back and vote for anybody until his second um, nomination, are you still registered? Explain to people how that works so they know. Your registration will continue until you have not voted for two presidential elections. Mm -hmm. So um, it stays on the rolls for quite a while. Mm All right. Our phone numbers, again, as always, 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can uh, join the live chat, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So how does Monroe County compare to the rest of Indiana? Margie, do you you keep keep track of that or, or Linda, either one? We're low. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not surprising with a fairly transient population, both student and non-student. I think when people think transient, they think IU students, but there are plenty of people who come here for a job for a couple of years and then leave again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that our 12% contrasted with maybe about 20% mm-hmm. of many other cities mm-hmm. around the state. It's still remarkably low. Um, I, looked, I looked up how Kokomo this morning because Greg Goodnight was going to be on the program, but he had to cancel. Um, he won again. It's his third term in Kokomo. 
uh, they had 25 percent of the mm-hmm. vote, and they were complaining because they had 31 percent in the last in the 2011 election. So they had dropped by six percentage points. So mm-hmm. I guess it's it's going on, going around. Well, it seems so curious because if you think about it, the the folks who are elected at the local level can probably affect our lives more directly and more fully than uh, whether or not Donald Trump gets the Republican nomination for president. Um, And so you would think that people would be more involved at the local level. But unfortunately, as Bob knows all too well, local communications, you know, get drowned out in the sea of national communications. And um, sometimes uh, the escapades of some of our national candidates can be more engaging for people, so they're more likely to come out in presidential races. But, you know, that's, that's counterintuitive. They, they, mm-hmm. People should be aware that it's not the federal government that fills that pothole. Mm-hmm. Mm, right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> so what are what are the prospects for next year's election? I mean, you, I, with with what's going on now, I mean, Marjorie, are you anticipating that a lot of people will go to the the, the ballot box for the presidential election next year? No. <laughs> really? Oh, that, that surprises me. We've seen a recent height in voter turnout in uh, the 2000s, the early races in the 2000s. It's been dropping since then. The turnout rate of the last presidential election was somewhere in the vicinity of 58%. Uh, The last midterm was about 37%. The thing that's really marked about turnout is not so much how low it is, uh, and I should say that, you know, in in Canada, in France, in Britain, the turnout rate is at least 20 percentage points higher in a national election. It's that the turnout is different in the midterm election from the presidential election. The presidential election has uh, about a a third to a half as many people coming out to the vote, and they're not a random selection of the population. The midterm turnout, as was the case last year in 2014 in the congressional races, is considerably older, it is whiter, It is um, generally more educated and wealthier, which doesn't always help the Republicans, as you might think. Interestingly enough, the Democratic profile with regard to income is that it has its greatest strengths at the lower end and also at the upper end. That's a fairly recent change. So um, people who are African-American, people who are Latino, younger people, disabled people, are much more likely to have their voices heard in a presidential race mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. they are in a midterm. Mm-hmm. And in recent years, those groups that, sh- that, are, uh, that fit the profile of the midterm election voter have become more heavily Republican. Mm-hmm. It didn't used to be that older people were more heavily Republican. Um, those who, were, uh, who came to majority at the time of the New Deal tended to be dominantly Democratic. But those folks are not with us anymore, by and large. And as a result, more and more of those groups that are more likely to vote in midterms than in presidential years vote Republican. And most governorships and state offices are elected in midterm years, which helps us explain why we've had a huge increase in the percentage of Republicans elected in legislatures and in state houses in recent years. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Linda, um, when I was at the polls on Tuesday, I saw lots of people come in and come right back out. Um, Many uh, uh, people, because they did not have an ID with them. Tell me how you think, based on your, and I know that you interact and have kind of debriefing sessions with your poll workers following an election. Tell me how you think, uh, or, or actually those folks have observed the voter ID laws and uh, people voting. Voter ID, actually, um, our voter ID initiative is that we want people to still vote even though they come to the polls if they don't have the ID. This way, they would vote a provisional ballot. And all mm-hmm. they need to do is bring in an ID before February, or February, November 13th, mm-hmm. on Friday at noon, and uh, their vote will be counted. Mm-hmm. So, um, but most of our turnaways that we had this, this election were people in the county 
Mm-hmm. Who thought that they could vote in the city election? They could, I saw that, and and we really felt disenfranchised that mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't vote in the municipal election because so many decisions affect them. Mm-hmm. And several people, uh, I also observed several people who uh, their uh, precinct had changed since the last time they had voted. That's what they said, and I'm wondering if they're thinking they're voting if they meant their voting location when. Are are precincts pretty much, you know, set in stone? They are. Okay, so their their polling location probably changed because I know mine has over time. Over time, oh boy, for a few years it seemed like every election there was a new location, mm-hmm. and it has been our goal over the last three years to. Uh, ensure that the polling location is the same no matter what. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had one location that that changed their mind the last minute. Oh. <laughs> and uh, but we got a, we got a place just across the street and uh, set an individual at the old location saying, if you show up here, your location is over mm-hmm. there. So uh, there's only been one change in the last three years. I may be the only person who's interested in this, but how do you, um, do you compensate people who allow, or people, not people, but organizations like the churches, many churches will be polling places, some schools. Do, do they get anything in return for, for the using the use of the facility for the day? If they ask for it. Really? Yes. How yes. does that work? <laughs> they just have to say? Uh, we fill out a form, and the individuals, uh, the inspectors at the end of the day, will talk to the contact person at that location and ask if they want the reimbursement. And if they say yes, they mark it, and we pay it. If they say no, then then uh, we consider it a wonderful civic duty that they have donated their location for the day. I have to ask, what's the reimbursement? Oh, it's a lousy $25. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That's really funny. Okay. Yeah. All right. It'll we- pay for paper towels. and <laughs> Right. Yes, exactly. So we've had uh, some questions on Twitter and on our online chat about whether we could get a ranked choice voting system. Margie, what is that? There are a number of ways to vote other than having a list of folks in front of you and you pick one of them. Um, One of these that I suspect our Twitter friend is suggesting is that there are some areas where you can say if there are, say, uh, three candidates for president, and of course this is um, not not terribly characteristic of American elections because our minor party candidates uh, tend to be so poorly known, that you can, instead of checking one box, you can say the first name is my third choice, the second name is my first choice, and the third choice is the third name listed. Um, And then, you know, it's not so hard for computers. They can figure this out Mm -hmm. pretty well, that, uh, you know, your your first choice is counted as long as he or she remains in the race. Um, if, If not, then it goes to your second choice. So um, there are a few cities in the United States, but very few that do that. The argument for it is that it better represents the entirety of your voice, that it's the fuller picture of the kind of choices that you would make, and that it lets people who are interested in minor parties in particular say so even though if that were their their final choice, they probably wouldn't have any say between the two major party candidates. Mm-hmm. But their initial choice would be recorded and people would know, well, the, the Republican won, but it was the Right to Life Party that you know got a whole bunch of votes before that, that set of votes was counted for the Republican. So how would, if uh, this, these, these people who are asking the question would like to see if Bloomington would switch to that system, what would have to be done? Is there any stipulation <laughs> in state government that would allow that? Do we know? The state government in Indiana for any kind of an election system is really quite complicated. They, um, uh, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me, they have to go through a certification program, not only through the national programs, but then they have to come back to Indiana and be certified. And there is a, a group in Muncie called V-Stop 
that will take him through an, an analysis of very serious um, uh, tests to see if they work. Um, it would definitely mean brand new equipment. And um, it kind of takes us back from, I think, my first concern with, with uh, what mm-hmm. Joyce just said Margie. was, well, Margie, Margie I'm said. sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with Margie I just said, yeah. is um, whether or not the computer can read a one, two, or a three. We have we spend a considerable amount of time with the with the paper ballots that we have. That if there is a questionable vote, if the, for example someone has marked a candidate and their mark has strayed into the second candidate, and so it marks as an overvote, those are reviewed for voter intent, so that we can correct it and and actually. Um, so I can I can't imagine the amount of time it would take to discern one twos and threes shades <laughs> of hanging chad. Right. <laughs> well, it's not you know computers can do things a lot more sophisticated than that. It's just we need new computers to be able to do right. it a new a new system altogether. What, uh, Linda, could you explain to to our listeners about you know the choice to go back to having paper to having. Because you know, for many many years, our our votes were tabulated electronically or mechanically, in you know some way, and then it's been what three years that we've been back on paper. Five, five years. years. Time flies. Yep. It's been five years <laughs> since we've been back on paper. So, what was the thinking behind that? The um, commissioners. This is before my time. In fact, uh, did a study and or had a group do a study about voting systems. There was uh, some Hava or Help America Vote Act money that was available to help uh, municipalities or counties buy new equipment. And of course, this is not too long after the hanging chad issues Mm -hmm. in Florida. And um, there uh, was a great concern also about people, about the, the direct record systems that people could use in the old days that, that we used to have and that somebody could change the electronics of it mm-hmm. and how it counted votes. Mm-hmm. So uh, the program we have now, is, and, and I, lo- I love it when they say we've gone back to paper ballots because this is anything but back. <laughs> it is, uh, it's only back in that you make a mark with your hand and mm-hmm. once it is uh, scanned, it takes an image, but it does not tabulate your your vote. So there's no votes tabulated during that time frame. We actually go through two separate processes, but if there's anything that would happen to the paper ballot or to one of the one of the um, uh, systems, we have three backups so that we can view the paper ballot and always see what's going on. They have a, a separate serial number. They're not sequential, so we can't see who voted in what in what order and go back and find out who voted in any particular way. So it's quite complicated. It is wonderful, and <laughs> it is, um, I, you know, I just have to say this. It's a great system, but no matter what you buy, it's already out of date because the new system is on its way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Linda Robbins of Monroe County Clerk and Marjorie Hershey, political science professor at Indiana University, about this, the city elections that just occurred. And maybe we'll turn our attention a little bit to what's going to happen in 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. 
and you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Yeah. All right, we are yeah. back on. Oh. We've, we've been having quite a conversation here yeah. in, in the studio. <laughs> We're back on. You're listening to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And we are talking with Linda Robbins, Monroe County Clerk, and Marjorie Hershey, political science professor at Indiana University, about uh, politics. It's November, first week of November, so we have to be talking about elections <laughs> and politics. Uh, so if you want to join us on the program, you can give us a call at uh, 812-855-0811 or um, 1-877-285-9348. You know, I, you'd think I have that memorized after all these years. <laughs> you can join our live chat, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. I have a question, um, Marjorie, for you, please. Um, the MCCSC... Uh, leadership has decided, uh, based on a great deal of information gathering, to put the school referendum um, on the fall 2016 ballot. What's your reaction to that? Is that a good choice uh, for them, or what do you think? I think it's six of one, half dozen of the other. Uh, the the May election, which was the other possibility mm -hmm. for the MCCSE, is lower turnout. That means, because it isn't associated with the presidential race, that means that you're going to get people who are more deeply engaged in these issues who come out to vote and lots of other people who will not come out to vote. Mm -hmm. Then the question is, how are those people going to vote? Are they going to be pro-referendum or are they more likely to be anti-referendum? And I would certainly defer to the poll taker with respect to whether or not um, they've made the right choice, um, but they certainly had a lot of polling data. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the rub. Um, last week, I haven't seen this covered a whole lot, but the Gallup organization announced that it would no longer publish its, and uh, perhaps even measure, its primary um, nomination season presidential rankings, that they would no longer publish its results in, in polling for those races, and that it had in question whether it was going to poll for the presidential race as well. Mm -hmm. Now, there's certainly a good reason for that, and that's that uh, poll takers have been missing <laughs> a number of races. Mm -hmm. um, for a variety of reasons. First of all, because would you believe now the current response rate for polls, the percentage of people who actually pick up the phone and take a poll when they're asked is 9%. Hmm. Um, so pollsters have to do some pretty fancy mathematical work to try to weight the that 9% by its various social characteristics to try to get it to be reflective of the whole 100%. And they miss with some regularity. Mm -hmm. um, in addition, of course, there is the fact that there are a lot of folks who are cell phone only now, and that folks who are cell phone only are not a random sample of the population. They are younger. They are more likely to be people of color. And it costs more to poll cell phone only folks than it does to poll landlines. Um, but the thing that's the real catch in all this is that with respect to the polling industry, elections are really about the only time we can measure how right or wrong they are. Mm. You know, if they're asking questions about public opinion about gun rights or same-sex marriage, it's not like we're going to have an election next week that says X percentage of the population favors gun rights or same-sex marriage. In an election, we do have that outcome, and poll takers get embarrassed as a result. And, uh, you know, that's probably the biggest reason why Gallup has decided to retire from the field. But 
that doesn't mean that media people can afford to sit back and say, well, if they're not covering it, we just won't talk about it. So um, I've noted that USA Today is already substituting for its poll results a, quote, panel of experts, unquote, which, to be perfectly frank, with all of the problems, I'd much rather see the poll <laughs> results. <Yeah. under. laughs> yeah. That's going to complicate the situation quite a bit. Well, aren't social scientists, uh, I know social scientists are trying to figure out different ways to do polling, either mm-hmm. internet-based and other mm-hmm. ways. I, uh, is it is it possible? I mean, I Maybe you're you're aware of all these polling issues, but is it is it possible to come close to the um, the close to the truth that we used to be able to when everybody had a landline and you actually mm-hmm. could get a fairly good random sample through mm-hmm. landlines and now it's just almost impossible to do. Well, you know, their percentages aren't that far off now. The trouble is the only races we're really interested in polling data on are the ones that are close, and those are the ones that we're most likely to miss uh, our predictions about with respect to polling because a small number of percentage points separates the two candidates. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, There are several things that pollsters use now. There's something called Mechanical Turk. There's something else called YouGov. There are a series of sites where people can go to those sites on the internet and they can sign up to be part of the sample Mm. for MTurk or YouGov. And they get a tiny little payment for each survey that they do. So um, various kinds of people who are clients who have a survey in the field can go to YouGov and say, that's Y-O-U-G-O-V, and say, I would like a a sample uh, composed of people who follow the following parameters. And then YouGov sends out a note to all of its samples saying, if this includes you, uh, would you like to make, you know, three and a half cents or (laughs) something like that for filling out this survey? And uh, some political scientists have found that the results of those surveys are really pretty close to um, broader polls. The trouble is, A, the broader polls aren't always <laughs> accurate, and B, the political scientists certainly have a stake in finding that these um, YouGov and MTurk polls do reflect the same things as polls because mm-hmm. uh, they're a heck of a lot cheaper mm-hmm. <laughs> to use. Well, back to, so from Linda's perspective, back to this referendum question, so what's that mean for you, you know, setting up an election, is, is that does that complicate matters or is it just adding another question to the ballot it's actually it is easier mm-hmm. for from the from our standpoint in that in the primary election we have just republicans and just democrats and if someone wants to not come in and and say they are a republican or democrat but still vote for the referendum mm-hmm. i have to have a special ballot for them Oh, so that that makes it complicated mm-hmm. in that respect. And I don't know that voters are aware in a primary that if they want to vote for just a referendum, that they have that possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't know that till right now. I didn't either. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, I learned several things this fall, um, among them that just now. But also... Um, uh, I, I came in contact with a woman, an older woman, who can't leave her home. And so I found out that I could take her a piece of paper and from you and that she could sign that and that you would send a person to her home to collect her vote. From travel board, yes. Yeah, the travel board. And I'd never heard of the travel board before. Mm-hmm. I, I just wonder. And I thought, oh, how lovely. I mean, I can't imagine that, you know, at your door service. And she was a delightful woman and had never missed voting. And um, luckily, I was not the only one who was determined to make sure that she was not mm-hmm. going to, to miss her vote opportunity mm-hmm. this time. Um, but are there other little secret gems like that that, you know, <laughs> we don't know about? <laughs> Well, I, I'd say travel board is a is a really good one, and of course, vote by mail. And as of this year, that has even gotten easier. You don't have to be over sixty five if you have difficulty just getting to the polling location. You can ask to have your your uh, ballot sent by mail. So, um, 
if you want to vote, there's no reason not to. Mm-hmm. And of course, early voting. Early voting. We had a little uh, shortened period of early voting this year compared to some other times, and yet we were still open. How many? Uh, it was October nineteenth that opened, something like that. Yeah, and we, you know, we only we were only three hundred votes fewer than we were over the four week period in the in the spring. So um, I'm not sure that that really made any difference. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we will be open that first two weeks and. Mm-hmm and very few people trickle through. And who makes that decision as far as how long your, the early voting is available? The election board the does, election and, board. and we, only have that, we only have that option during a municipal election. Okay, yeah. okay, all right. All right, I want to uh, give our phone numbers again, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also send us a note, wfiu.org slash noon edition you can follow us on twitter at noon edition i'm going to talk a little bit more about the election as uh marjorie mentioned in the beginning of the show she's happy to be here because this is mary Catherine carmichael's last official show as co-host we may have her back as a guest or something but as co-host of noon edition and we'll comic relief we'll spend a a few minutes at the end of the show talking about that too um marjorie i wanted to get your take on you know, presidential politics at this juncture. You know, we've had, um, you know, we've already had four debates, one one de- Democrat and three Republican on uh, on television. There's been all sorts of hubbub about the way those debates are going. The Fox just announced this, this morning or yesterday that they're changing the way they're doing their next debate. Um, you know, how valuable are these debates? And, you know, if you could wave your magic wand, what would you do to, to make them better? And you can't wave Donald Trump away, so take that off the plate. Ah, <laughs> uh, shucks. <laughs> well, um, the the question really is what new information people get from any kind of piece of political communication. Um, most of the people who watch most political broadcasts uh, basically have an orientation already toward the candidates. It's a little bit less likely early in the nominating season, but people probably come in with some picture in their head of um, who they like best and probably not much of a picture of the people whom they don't know. So debates early in the season are a chance for the less well-known candidates to vault themselves up front. And they will also have that opportunity because um, it's just in the nature of media coverage that the media want to tell us something that's new. Uh, Otherwise, we don't pick up newspapers or we don't log on to various sites. And so a a down-ballot candidate who is not very well-known but who does well in an early debate will probably get a lot of coverage as a result. And then he or she will rise in the polls because people recognize his or her name. Mm. And then um, there's the chance for a little bit of a jump there. Mm -hmm. Um, Typically what happens then is that once that person becomes more widely known, he or she becomes more widely scrutinized as well. And so he or she falls back down into the pack after that. But once in a while, an also-ran will jump up, and that's a function that debates have. there are, unfortunately, um, a lot of us are oriented toward politics more as a kind of a spectacle than we are in terms of what is going to happen to me and my family after the 2016 election. Because most of us don't know an awful lot about how what government does affects our lives. Um, most of us probably are just not all that interested in it because it's complicated. Mm. And, you know, football scores are a lot easier to figure (laughs) out and reality TV is a lot more fun. So the debates in the primary process often are viewed as a kind of a reality TV show. Mm. So people are being covered in terms of how aggressive they are or um, whether they land a zinger, you know. Well, that really doesn't have one heck of a lot to do with their likely performance as president. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, even if there are personality characteristics like somebody is hard to get along with, well, it's not like Congress can uh, say, well, we don't like this particular president because she's hard to get along with, so we'll go to the other president and try to <laughs> negotiate with him. Yeah, you right. know? yeah, yeah. If you're president, you're president, right. you know? And the, so these personal characteristics are, we're much more likely to be attuned to them because we understand them better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's often what debates and debate coverage are about. But how it helps us understand how a person is going to behave as president is pretty slim. Okay. I'm going to offer some thoughts on that in my Monday column, how they can redo the debate structure. Please we'll do. Okay. Goodness. I don't know if anybody will like it or not. Linda, do you have a comment on that? I, well, <laughs> sort of related, and it, and it, but it's not. Um, <clears throat> With the with the advent of our of our new ePoll books, I have the ability to see the age groups of people that are voting, mm-hmm. and seventy five percent of all of our voters are over the age of fifty five, mm-hmm. and and I'm really concerned about our younger voters that that are not turning out for voting, and um, and I'm I'm you know. I'm, this is this is my one soapbox statement uh-huh. is sure. that I know they don't teach civics any longer in high schools and they don't engage them in those projects because it's not a tested subject. But I and I I would love to see that come back so that these people so that our coming generation can understand how all the things that that um, has been mentioned today where, uh, you know, local government has such a huge impact and, and it's not just all about the president. We have to have a Congress that backs them or mm-hmm. it doesn't work. And um, so that's my soapbox. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Well, we have a couple of phone calls. Let me go to, okay. let's go to the phone. So Sandy is first. Sandy? Yeah, this is in regards to the national election. I am just wondering if you guys can tell me what sort of um, checks and balances do we have on the Electoria College? Um, Only because I've always been very skeptical of the fact that the popular vote could be, say, 99% towards one candidate. And yet if the Electoria College votes another way, that person is elected. I'm wondering, how do we know that's not just an arbitrary number that's passed down or... What are those checks and balances we have on it? We have Margie Hershey will answer that for us. <laughs> the uh, popular vote in a state is automatically translated into the electoral vote for that state. So if 51% or 50.1111% of the electorate in Florida votes Republican, the mm-hmm. Republican electoral vote, the it, the vote goes to the Republican. Now, there is an actual electoral college. That's a bunch of folks who actually um, meet together in December and then go through the voting process. And just about every year, there's somebody who doesn't get the right vote. You know, there was somebody who voted in 2004 for John Edwards instead of John Kerry. Um and that happens, and their state laws differ as to whether or not you can get prosecuted for voting for the wrong candidate. I suspect that the person who uh, was on the on the firing line in that case just looked at John, you know, <laughs> didn't look at anything differently. But um, with respect to what counts, uh, it doesn't really matter how the individual electors vote. All right. In the, in the national and the presidential yes, um, it's, election as well. It's just, it's just, this is the only time that the president, that the Electoral College is relevant. And in the Electoral College, if Indiana votes a majority for a particular candidate, Indiana's mm-hmm. electoral vote will go to that candidate, and it doesn't matter any uh, any action by any individual. It's right. just automatic. I think, Sandy, part of what you're talking about, too, though, is that it is possible that the, the popular vote would go to one candidate and the electoral vote and thus the presidency would go to the other, right? Right. Yeah. That, that was the confusion, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that can happen. But, and, not, but um, not by that 99% vote. Absolutely not. Yeah, right. Uh, this, okay. is, this is an unusual case. It's happened four times in our history. And the folks who wrote the Constitution covered that. Uh, they said not popular vote, but electoral college vote. And that's mm-hmm. sort of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you. We have uh, Thomas on the line. Thomas? 
Yes, thank you. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for the service that you all are doing. Um, I was amazed and perhaps just a little put off that Linda can tell demographics about the people who vote. The only reason I give my information is to prove who I am when I vote. And I don't think that it should be spread on the radio of is it older white people or is it people who are richer and so on and so forth. Uh, if, if I want to admit that I'm 70 and white, then I can do that myself. But it seems that that should not be broadcast. Your comment? I do, and if it if it gives you any comfort, I don't know anything about you but your age, and it's not listed by individual; it's just listed by group. So I get a I get a general graph. I don't know who, or um, anything like that. So yeah, I think Thomas. I think uh, one thing you could do if you're really concerned about that. I mean, that would be that that would be up to state law to That's keep correct. that keep that information private if they. If the state decides it once doesn't want that information to be made available to the public, then you can go to your legislatures and uh, legislators and ask them to do that. Mm -hmm. But let me suggest, I think Thomas. That all makes sense. Thank okay. you. Uh -huh. With with respect, um, what Linda said just a few moments ago is no different from the Gallup poll's daily presentation of this is the percentage of people who favor Donald Trump, and this is the breakdown by party, this is the breakdown by age, this is the breakdown by race. If you're concerned that somebody in the clerk's office can go through that process and figure out who you are and how you voted, you know, I, I can't imagine that professionals um, would regard that as an appropriate behavior. And we have professionals in the clerk's office. Right. All right. Thank Th you. Th thank you, thank Thomas. You. Thanks a lot for the call. Um, so we've got about five <laughs> minutes to go and want to talk with Mary Catherine just a little bit. And Margie's been on many times. Linda's been on a couple of times. So. You know, it's your last show. We, we started doing this show actually in, um, it's been 17 years. It was September 4th of 1998. How did you find that out? I've always wondered about that for a while. <laughs> September 4th, 1998, because I'm a newspaper guy. Okay, and all I right, keep fair files enough. on all right. these things. And I our, may need to fix my Facebook post now. I right. think I have it wrong, but go on. And our first guests were, uh, we did a show on the schools, and we had superintendents of schools mm -hmm. on. And we've been uh, we've been doing this a lot, uh, a lot of politics. Mm -hmm. Margie's been on I don't know how many times, probably not even hour. enough. Several, several, <laughs> right? And we've had Linda on several times. We do the gardening show, mm -hmm. so very popular. Uh, Spring and fall, look forward to them every year. Yeah. So, I, and I also did the the math, and so did you. I saw on your Facebook post. I think we've done about we've done about nine hundred noon edition shows. Yeah, right. Over the years, mm -hmm. about nine hundred shows. Uh -huh. Over the years, we weren't always here together, but one or the other of us were, were here most of the time. Um, and I and I also think it's interesting that we've done shows from, you know, birth doulas and and, <laughs> and uh, midwives to death mm -hmm. and death with dignity, which yes. we just did a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and everything in between. That's for sure. We've had animals in the studio. Um, <laughs> animals. That's right. We do now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Animals in the studio. Talked to a murderer accidentally once. That was actually on. Uh, I know, but we were still we part of we all were, that. Yeah, yeah. We did. Yeah, Benjamin Smith called into the show once, and then mm -hmm. he's a oh my person known mm -hmm. uh, known as, well, he mm -hmm. did a very bad thing. Mm -hmm. But we had uh, a lot of better shows than that. Yeah, but, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've sort of created a, a niche in, on gardening shows, but spring gardening shows and fall, and you're going to have to come back for those because I can't do that without you. <laughs> and we've had high school graduates in every, every year, mm -hmm. um, which is always a, something we look forward to. We've had uh, a show about wine, a show about beer, and a show about chocolate. Yeah, and they brought samples. Those were good shows. <laughs> Those were really good shows. Yeah. Right. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing and why you're leaving the show? I'm just sick of you. <laughs> I've had it. We've yeah. been together long enough. I'm, I'm done with you. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, actually, I don't know if people know this, but Noon Edition is a, a production of the, the news department. And so um, we're always very careful about ethics. And um, going forward, I'm going to be uh, assisting John Hamilton, who uh, is the mayor-elect of Bloomington. And so it would not be appropriate for me to continue in this role uh, on Noon Edition as part of a news department. And so I am stepping aside to pursue a, a new and I think very exciting opportunity there. 
Right. Well, we're going we're gonna to miss you, of course. And uh, you know, any... I'm going to miss you. This has been a part of my life for a long time. I told them if they find me wandering around here at noon on Friday, pat me on the head and send me on my way. <laughs> right. I've just forgotten. May I, may I say, uh, let me repeat a comment from former Congressman Lee Hamilton. When he was on the program once, uh, he mentioned about Mary Catherine that your questions are so bright and so insightful and that you offer the perspective that um, that a civic-minded person needs. And uh, thank heaven, given what's happened in terms of partisan media lately, that instead of having a bunch of people shouting at one another, we have people who come on and um, you raise questions that people in the city are interested in hearing the answers to. So thank you so much oh, for what you've done. That's abundantly kind. I, I'm I appreciate that very much. And yeah. I appreciate, you know, um, Bob and I both are lucky enough to have the experience of people who come up to us and say, oh, we listened to your show. And, and you know, for us, we were having this interesting conversation in the studio every week. And then to to know that other people are out there listening along, it's, it's a very lovely feeling. And I'm so grateful to have had this feeling and this opportunity for this long. And I'm so grateful to have gotten to sit next to my friend and um, someone I admire and, and and care about so much, Bob. I will miss our. I, I just, you know, I get to see my friend once a week, so that's right. terrific. I know it's been it's been wonderful. Uh, we do have to thank all of our guests. I'm, I'll be back, so you know, <laughs> thank all of our guests that we've that we've had over the years. That you know, you mentioned Lee Hamilton. Uh, we had Theodore Hesburgh on this show once. Uh, we've had a couple times. A couple times we've had you know a lot of different political people. Um, Joe Bolte Taylor has been one of our wonderful guests, and you mm-hmm. know, she's she president uh, presidents of the university. Uh, Fred Gl- you know, lots of folks, wonderful right, from talent from the university community. And we always, you know, our shows is uh, our show has been as successful as our guests are. Mm-hmm. Our guests are wonderful, and uh, we're about out of time. So I want to thank Linda Robbins. Um, and Margie Hershey for being here. Yeah, this is starting today. to feel like a funeral. I Move know, on. <laughs> and, and I want to thank all the producers we've had over the years, including Drew Dodlin, who's here now, Mike Pashkash, our only engineer for 17 years. That's thank right. you very much, Mike. And Mary Catherine, thank you so much. Thank and you, Bob. We'll be seeing it's been you a pleasure. soon. You're listening to Wish New you Edition. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> From School of Public Health, Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined. Addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.